0: you can't replace part of the brain like you treat them the same the source of truth for the medtech
1: industry bo oh, exists for the so robot understands things
0: automatically number one show in the medtech industry so Stryker got ahead of that and changed it. in the 90s billion dollar company that helped apply a lot of things State of medtech tech your host omar m khatib everybody. Welcome back to the show. And if you're a physician, I want to remind you that you get a free CME credit by listening to this episode. Thanks to our partners over at CMFI. Just click the show notes below, write down what did you learn and what will you do to unlock one full credit. Now, let's face it, when it comes to growing, well, first of all, starting and growing a private practice today, it's harder than ever. You know, When you go to residency, they don't really have a private practice rotation. Um, This is where uh, few people uh, in the private practice world, you know, I look to for more on how to do this. And Zed Williamson is one of those people. Zed is one of the founders of uh, Trackable Med. He's also the founder of a... New uh, company called the Physician Growth Accelerator. You can learn more by going to physiciangrowthaccelerator.com. And what Zed had done at Trackable Men is essentially use data. To help physicians drive growth of their practice, and more importantly, behavior change amongst their patients, uh, he got extremely good at this. And so, a lot of uh, private equity, a lot of physician groups, reached out to him to come up with a playbook of how do they grow their practice in a healthy, sustainable way, so that they have leverage and they have options, whether it's to exit or, or you know, among many other things. This is what got him to start the Physician Growth Accelerator. So, in this episode, we talk about. Some of the topics that you don't normally cover when it comes to private practice, which is what do you do to position your practice for growth? Um, how do you, you know, increase your profit right, while maintaining uh, costs and lowering them? We cover those things and more importantly, the philosophy behind it. Something I'm going to recommend if you're a clinician who's thinking about going to private practice, but especially if you have a practice today, go to physiciangrowthaccelerator.com and uh, go ahead and click under the tab vitals and then vitals, uh, vitals diagnostic. They have a free, uh, free questionnaire that allows you to talk, you know, answers and questions about your practice without an email form, by the way, and get essentially uh, a diagnosis of your practice. So be sure to go and check that out. And so with that being said, let's get on to our episode with Zed Williamson, founder of Physician Growth Accelerator. Enjoy. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the show. And I want to remind our listeners who are physicians or clinicians of any kind, you can get a CME credit for listening, just be able to unlock it. Thanks to our partners over at CMFI. Just click that link below and write down what did you learn and what will you do now? I'm very happy to have my good friend, Zed Williamson, who's the founder of Trackable Med. Trackable Med is a phenomenal organization, has really focused on essentially using data to help drive growth within private practices and help medical device companies also drive product adoption within those practices. They've launched a new venture called the Physician Growth Accelerator, which is not only just a company, but uh, also a podcast. So be sure to go check that out. I'm going to leave that in the show notes. And we're going to talk about um, a topic that I think a lot of physicians are really thinking more about these days, which is running a private practice it's possible. I think more private practices are being started today than maybe a few years ago, but there's still a lot of areas that are unknowns and you know Zed has built a business for the last decade that focuses on this and so Zed, thank you so much for joining the show. welcome
1: thank you so much.
0: it's great to be here. appreciate it. <laughs> So maybe a good place to start is why, why start the second venture? Why, why do, why do physicians need something like this, which is obvious to me, but you know, I want you to kind of paint that picture for us.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The why has always been really important to me. So I'll start with the why behind trackable med. Trackable med exists to help people realize they don't have to live that way. And the reason why that's so important, it's it's truly the fiber of our foundation is it's the patients that we help find treatments it's uh, our team because we focus on having a culture where people love coming to work and they can grow and be better at everything they do and then finally our clients the physician practices that you know they're they're stressed out because they're wondering am i going to be open next year am i going to get bought out by a hospital do i really want this headache and so trackable med focused on driving these really ideal patients into practices, which can help bolster up the company, the practice. The challenge is not everybody's ready for that. And there were times where we would work with clients and we've worked with well over 500 practices over the last 12, 13 years. And you could bring the perfect patients into a practice, but the practice wasn't set up as a well-run business to be able to benefit from that. And there was always these constraints and these barriers that got in the way and what happened over the years is we would start to work one-on-one with some practices about those things and it was stuff that we just kind of did on the side where we know things because of our focus on neuroscience and everything is related to behavior and we realized holy moly if we're really going to be the company that believes we're here to help people realize they don't have to live that way that means we also have to take on the practices that are stressed out about lowering reimbursement. They're stressed out about their costs going up. They're stressed out about burnout. There's so many headwinds for a private practice. And we truly believe you don't have to live that way. You can build a moat around your practice that puts you in a position to have tremendous cash flow while also helping the most patients because a healthy practice can help more patients and plan on an exit. Whatever that exit looks like, whether it's, you know, bringing on more owners or selling, whatever that looks like, you can be purposeful about it and do something that is really benefiting you and your patients over time. So that's, that's the origin story behind the Physician Growth Accelerator
0: yeah and i what I really like about this is that um and I think you you pointed this out that physicians can go to uh the website which I'll plug real quick one more time physician dot com to take a vitals uh for for their practice that when you build a business uh that you have the plans to try and exit. There's a certain way that you want to construct that business. And I think that for most physician, the thought of it is like, oh, I'll I'll build my practice and I'll get good referral networks and that's enough. In reality, there's so many other things that you have to do. And I think that the best way to to get there is to have somebody outside of your practice kind of diagnose it and guide you on that.
1: Yeah. You know, this is gonna sting a little bit, but every system is perfectly designed to get the result it gets. So I'm, I'm hoping a physician business owner is listening right now and you are frustrated with something. You're saying to yourself, I can't believe I always have to deal with fill in the blank or it ticks me off that this happens. And then I want you to own it because that is the perfect outcome of the system you are currently running. And the reason why I want you to feel that weight of this is my fault, it's because you're not doing anything to the system to change the outcome. And there's times where we feel like, uh, who's the, the Greek uh, Sisyphus? The guy who's always rolling the, the boulder block. up the, yeah. Up you know, where hill every right day man, he starts over. Right. I think it's a great back, analogy for positions. Yeah. It, it, it can, business can feel like that. And then what we do is we get frustrated. And we go, oh, I can't believe this, that, and the other. In reality, your system is creating that outcome. And once you wrap your head around that concept, there is tremendous freedom. Because now you can say, okay. I don't like the outcome, but it's the perfect result of the system I'm operating. So what do I have to do? I just have to tweak the system. It's all about constraints. So what the physician growth accelerator is and the nine vitals that we dive into, those are related to constraints within the practice so that when you open up throughput, you release opportunity into the practice and you can achieve this massive level of accelerated growth and it's the growth you want. And that's where the the value is.
0: Where do you think most physicians make, uh, make their biggest mistake when it comes to like starting their private practice? And even I think, I think there's uh, mistakes on starting a private practice, today, but then there's bigger mistakes for those who have had a private practice for the last 10, 15 years and they haven't changed.
1: So I think it's related to blinders. You know, private practice is one of the hardest businesses to be in. Part of that is because it's also kind of easy to be good enough. And so let me break that down for a second. A mediocre private practice can still pay the business owner a pretty good amount of money. If you're a mediocre restaurant, you go out of business. If you're a mediocre fill in the blank, you go out of business. In private practice, it's just stressful. And what happens is I think that creates the opportunity for someone to put blinders on and the things that they don't like dealing with, like finances or culture or hiring and leading people. You know, you hear a lot of frustration from physician business owners, like it's hard to hire good people, or um, I'd have to pay them so much more money to be good, or I don't really know what my finances are telling me, or they're surprised by the revenue at the end of the year. Those are symptoms of putting blinders on and saying this is just an outcome. They're treating it like a like a law of physics, like, well, there's gravity, guess there's nothing to do about that. Well, we could build an airplane. You know, so I think it's that concept of the blinders keep them from looking at the things that they don't like or maybe they're uncomfortable with, but because you're in a position where mediocrity can still pay you pretty well, you go down this path and that's what really creates a troubling business that brings stress, sleepless nights, long hours, um, something where you're not really enjoying yourself.
0: Yeah. It makes a lot of sense too. And I think that um, your, your point that like uh, a, a lot of mediocre practices can get by. And so it's kind of, um, you almost get comfortable. And would you say that a lot of physicians, you just get used to some of the pains that they're dealing with, like they just get used to it kind of like in a funny way, kind of like their patients, you know, sometimes like there are patients who go like 10 years without seeking physician uh, help. And it's just because they get used to living that way.
1: Yep. That's exactly right. And I'm, I'm lucky. So I started this company and it was hard to start and I started it on my own, but that was 13 years ago. Now I'm in a position where I can stay, I can think strategically about the business. I'm not in the weeds doing the actual work every single day. Typically a physician business owner or a surgeon business owner is not only the owner and the leader, but they're also the the potential to generate revenue. And that is hard when you are the person where if you take a vacation for two weeks, the revenue drops, that's a tough spot to be in.
0: Yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, can you, can you be a little bit, uh, also kind of dive into more specific, like what, what are some examples of this, um, in terms of the pains that physicians go through and then like, maybe if you can parlay that into like where the physician growth accelerator kind of, kind of comes into place. Because I would imagine like the ideal scenario is like physician hasn't started private practice or about to, and they're able to go through your system, but most of them already have a private practice. And so you're almost coming in to diagnose and provide a prognosis of how they get better.
1: That's right. So, This it's more of a uh, consulting type of business, and let me just call out that I don't like that word. Uh, Consultants I've come across in my lifetime are really good at pointing out everything you're screwing up, and then they run away with their check. So it's not that model. Um, The structure is a diagnostic, a deep, deep diagnostic of the business, with then a prescription of what to do about it, and actually being able to operationalize that prescription, meaning we can give you the tool to do it and we'll work with you to get it done. Um, But this still can sound very generic, like what the heck are you talking about Zed? Well, so the vitals, the nine vitals represent from before a patient even knows they have an issue all the way up to a completed treatment and you being able to bill insurance. And every little step in there is a constraint. And I'll use a real world example. We're working with a practice and they want to achieve a certain level of procedures Per month because it, it's a healthy business. They're helping more patients. And so the focus on let's get these patients in. So we do a really deep diagnostic and it turns out that they have uh, only three people who are available to answer the phone at this multi-location practice. The average time that that person spends on the phone to book an appointment is 19 minutes. The number of appointments needed to get the procedure volume they want the math simply doesn't work. No matter how much money they spend to drive new patients in, they had a system that was built to fail from the get-go because that call was too long. They didn't have enough people to have the call and the experience to convert that patient through to an appointment and a procedure just didn't work. So you could sit there and have a goal all day long and throw money at it, but literally it was going to be impossible. So we go, we dig into the data we find out where those constraints are and we repair those specific constraints within the order that's going to be the most impactful for that business.
0: Got it. That makes a lot of sense. And I think that's one of the most important parts for a business is that a lot of times you don't see where the bottlenecks are because you just get used to it or you're, just not, you're not aware of what good looks like. I feel like um, on the optimization side, the uh, front end of the office is probably the area that most practices suffer in terms of... Uh, not only booking appointments, getting patients in, but even simple things like collecting. Um, for me, just from my perspective, like there's some things as a business owner, when I look at a practice, and again, I'm, this is not my field, but as a patient, I'm like, why do they do it this way? For example, there's a practice who billed me maybe a few months ago. I still haven't been paid because they need me to like call them and provide my information over the phone versus like, why? can't i just go to a, like why isn't there a link that i can just type in my computer like i have to carve out time and so
1: you know like little things like that and when you call they're not going to answer so then you leave it. message yeah, exactly. and they call you <laughs> back when you can't answer and
0: yeah and i'm like you know so and i feel like there's like simple things like that or like having a patient credit card on file they're like little things that you can just tweak and operationalize it sounds like what what you guys are specifically doing is operationalizing the 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 practice providing the systems so that way they can actually grow you know cuz even if like i think a, a lot of private practice owners one thing they want to do is recruit let's say like a partner or something but you know when you bring that person in you have to have a system where it's going to feed them you know business and work
1: right and and you have to follow a system to recruit the right person you know so our foundation is neuroscience neuroscience being the understanding of human behavior, and what drives human behavior. And when you take those things and you layer it into things like recruiting, or even let's say you need to hire front office staff, that should not be painful. That should be really easy to hire someone who is instantly a rock star. If that idea sounds crazy, you're operating a system designed to get you what you're getting. And that frustration keeps people from taking action. If you have high turnover... If you feel like you have a team that maybe they got you where they are today, but they're not going to get you to where you need to be, you're operating the system to create that. All we need to do is tweak the system. And it's about understanding the vitals. It's kind of like, imagine a patient, a patient goes in to a doctor and they have a rash. Chances are the doctor doesn't just go like, oh, here's a prescription. You have a rash. Okay. There's probably a little bit of understanding. Like, Hmm. Let's see, is it an allergic reaction? Is it systemic? Let's do some blood work. Let's under, you know, how, is it all, the entire body? You're, you're doing a diagnostic to understand root cause so that then you can go change things as opposed to just throw band aids on it. The same thing in business. We have to understand truly what the problem is because if you're going to invest money in growing, it should be purposeful on the, on the lever that's really going to get you the outcome that you're looking for.
0: You know, that makes a lot of sense. Who, who would this not be for? Because I think that's, that's the other thing that, that kind of comes to mind is like, there's got to be like a persona or type of practice where this is just not a fit for.
1: Yeah. I love the question. Um, if you refuse to own that you're operating a system that's creating an outcome you don't want, we're probably not a good fit. And it's not that I don't feel for you. It's just that we're going to ask you to make some changes and change can be uncomfortable. Um, it's just like what you said earlier, you know, patients who go 10 years suffering, you know, if you're that person who is not ready, you're you just, you're okay. It's not that important to you. Um, we're probably not a good fit because the reason is, it's not that we necessarily have an opinion about you as a person, but we know that means you're not gonna be very helpful in getting us the data we need for a diagnostic. Um, when we ask your team to do things, You're probably not going to be in the background supporting it. You're probably going to be looking to let people off the hook. It's really got to be a place where you have decided today is the day. I'm going to purposely do something different and create a practice that I love coming to, that my team loves coming to, and that patients love coming to, and is creating a predictable outcome for all of those groups. Patient outcomes, a good work environment, And wealth for you. So like Zed, on the other side, on the flip side, who's technically the ideal
0: persona for this? And maybe you can also come at it from the point of their like what does their behavior look like today? So I think that's so important when it comes to as a as an entrepreneur and as a business owner, right? For for a physician, is that what's the mindset they need to have right now where they they fit this? You know, because I think the success of these kind of programs is really it's the bottleneck is really with the physician, right? So what is, what is, what is the mindset and behavior of that physician look like
1: today where they are fit and
0: should come talk to you?
1: Probably they're probably searching. They're probably investing in tools and they kind of switch tools a lot because they're searching for that thing. That's going to help the business. Um, They're probably doing some learning with podcasts and books. They're, Maybe they're, they're looking at other businesses and thinking about, well, how is this business operating? And they're sitting in a level of frustration that they're not okay with. Um, you can be literally a practice with four people and this will work for you. You could be a practice with 400 people and this will work for you because it's just about identifying constraints within the system. You know, I like to think about it this way. If I were to force you underwater, Omar, and just like, hey, you're stuck, you're underwater, but don't worry about it because I got three or four big old McDonald's straws. I'm going to connect them together and you'll be able to breathe. And you would be able to struggle through that. If I replaced any of those straws with a coffee straw, you are in serious trouble. And it doesn't matter what straw I replace, whether it's the first or the last, that constraint affects the entire system. And so if you're in a position where you just feel like there's not a reason why you haven't gone past this plateau, but you know that you are either too busy or you have unused capacity that you can't fill, you're thinking about things like, maybe I need to open a new location, or maybe I need to be in a different area, or maybe I need to bring in an extender. Those are the type of questions that people are asking themselves that are usually a sign where this is a good fit for them right now, because they're trying to fix a system and they don't know the system enough to fix it in the right way. So they start bolting things on and that's an awesome time to go, wait a second, let's do an in-depth diagnostic. Truly understand the root cause of what's restricting your growth and then a specific prescription with a plan, a timeline, an expectation. It's printed, it's there, we have KPIs, key performance indicators going towards it, like you truly are creating, opera, operationalizing the, the data to create the system that you want.
0: Do you feel like m- more often than not with private practices, it's um, before they get into the mode of like growth, they just have to get good at the basics, you know, like patient intake forms, you know, streamlining that process. Do you feel like a lot of times it starts there? You know before they start worrying because i think a lot of physicians want to jump to like how do i how do i grow the revenue and everything and i think that there's a step before that in terms of like simplifying and streamlining like just the basics w- am I, are, w- w- would you
1: agree with that i would and i think it's kind of related to you know if you think about um the difference between efficiency and effectiveness you, if you spend all of your efforts on efficiency well now you're just neat and tidy when you go out of business if you focus all your efforts on effectiveness, well, you probably just accelerate going out of business because you overspend. So it's that balance. It's about understanding, is that lack of streamlining truly the constraint that exists today? Because we've had we've had times where people have hired trackable med in the past, and we put like literally hundreds of what they described as their most ideal patient, and they weren't able to convert that to any growth because- They didn't have the other systems in place. And it was really frustrating for us when we see, you know, things across the country and we go, man, in this scenario, that's very similar. This place is rocking and rolling. Like we're changing lives. We're getting, you know, I'm getting calls by from spouses of business owners going, man, what you've done with his practice or her practice is incredible. Like you've literally changed our lives. And at the same time, on the other side of the country, someone's like, yeah, we're just we're just not seeing it. And that's that's not really possible, right? So that means that there is a thing in the way. So streamlining is important. It's about timing of what you streamline based on what the practice needs at that exact moment.
0: Got it. Got it. That that makes that makes a lot of sense. You know, do you? um, You know, I know that you work with a a variety of of physician practice and specialties, but I'm wondering, like, um, who do you feel like has the most common and easy to
1: solve, like? Practice growth problems, if that makes sense. A lot of it is, yeah, it's not necessarily related to a specialty. I'll tell you one thing that you come across a lot. Physician has their own business and they get to this state where they're like, I need help. So they hire an office manager. And usually that person is like a buttoned up person. They're good at organizing. And then you instantly mentally dump running the business to an office manager yeah and that typically doesn't work out too well you get staff turnover you know things might feel like there's rules now but you're less profitable um you people come to you with problems and you're just you know you get frustrated because you're like oh well just you know talk to the office manager but the office manager isn't really set up to fix it
0: and they're doing so a lot of
1: data points
0: right because i feel like a lot of times when you get when they have an office manager they're they're managing the office but that's also like reordering supply between the patient they're kind of like pseudo hr manager um yes. like so many different things what about um like and i wonder like because some some practices they'll have an office manager but then they'll have like um like a business manager or business director and stuff and a lot of times that person um they're doing a, an okay job but it's, I don't know. I've, I've yet to meet a, a business manager of a, of a practice where I was like, Oh yeah, they, they know what they're doing. You know, well,
1: and it's, it's almost because like, because they are
0: manager who got promoted.
1: They got promoted and they may be like, the thing is is when you're good at something that also means you're likely not good at something else, which is great. I mean, it's all, it's, you know, let's find out where our strengths are and try to focus on those things. When you have that catch all role, where it's just like, hey, you take care of stuff, they're gonna suck at something. And if you don't have that role laid out with accountability, for instance, you are accountable for this specific outcome, you're in trouble. And we see this, um, this is a perfect example. If I talk to any practice and I just ask like, hey, how do you think you guys are answering the phone? Real simple thing. If anyone says, oh, the entire team knows it's super important to answer the phone. Then I know for a fact they're probably missing 60% of their phone calls because if it's important to everybody. It's not important to anyone. You can't have shared Uh, account. That's right. It's gotta be like Jennifer. If someone said, Jennifer is accountable for us answering 99% of our call, that's when I go, okay, I bet they do answer their phones. But if there is any kind of like, it's, everyone knows it's really important. No, it's not getting done. Interesting. You know, it, it almost feels like that, that feels like the
0: right thing to do, which is like, you make it a, an organizational priority, but then, and this, this is a reason why you have roles in companies, which is like, there has to be somebody who, who owns the success or failure of this because that's the person who's going to drive it. And, and you, yep. that can't be the physician because as a physician, there's, there's already like a list of more than 10 things that
1: are priorities for you, you yep. know? Yeah. Accountability is different than responsibility. Accountable, accountability means that you can count and you're, you're the person who owns the outcome. You might have 20 people responsible for getting to that outcome but one person has to be accountable. And that's another thing that we work with practices on is setting up that internal structure, of recruiting the right people for the roles that are there. And then stuff that I know you love is there's the whole conversion side of it, the actual ability to capture a patient. We were working with a client and we just were going through our diagnostic and we uncover everything. They didn't realize that on mobile, on their website it was impossible for someone to call there was no phone number accessible to someone visiting their website on a mobile device and they invested a ton of money in broadcast advertising so that one little silly thing i guarantee you cost them tens of thousands of dollars and it's just when you do a diagnostic from the standpoint of let's look at your entire system from start to you being able to bill now you can look and see, gosh, here's these little things. It's a death by a thousand cuts. It's that plus this, plus this, plus this, plus this. And that's why you're not growing at the rate that you should.
0: Got it. And that makes a lot of sense. You know, um, how often is it that when you when you look at some of these practices, one of the recommendations you have is that they need to hire somebody. Is it is it often that they have everything that they need to be successful? They just have to tweak
1: it? Or there's, there are some situations where... Uh, A specific hire is is necessary. It depends on the scenario. So there, and it drives me nuts when people tell me it depends. So I I apologize. (laughs) uh, But so what happens is they may have a team that they are not deploying appropriately. And there may be opportunity to just redeploy those people. So you're not hiring. There may also just simply be, it's a constraint. You have understaffed your team and you have a belief about what staffing up means, because here's what happens is someone's going, well, but I don't, I'm not seeing enough on this side of the spectrum to justify hiring someone and you're not connecting the dots of what that added role would do to free up the ability to collect more. And so that's the key. So sometimes, absolutely, you gotta hire some people and let's be super specific about it. Let's get the people that are, they're high-fiving you when they're coming in, they're going home bummed out, that it's Friday because they can't wait till Monday. Like That is a possible thing when you do it right. Um, Many practices are understaffed. And I mean, like I said, going back to the idea that it's a tough business, imagine going to any other industry and saying, hey, you start a business, but guess what? You don't get to control your pricing. This this other group of people who are actually motivated to pay you less, they're in control of how much you earn. Like
0: people will not start businesses.
1: I know this is the it just it's it's crazy me in medicine you know so you have to think about it differently if you talk to a regular you know like if you go to business meetings sometimes you get people who have started amazing companies and they can't wrap their head around well how do i make like i got to be able to raise pricing well you can't actually it goes down over time what are you kidding yeah and your costs go up and sometimes it's forced i mean in california they passed 25 dollar minimum wage for all healthcare workers that and you don't get to raise your prices. So you have to think about Something the business different. differently.
0: Yeah, no, no, I, absolutely. And I think this is like in business like this, this is where um, getting getting that guidance on like, what does good look like and how do you put yourself in the best position for growth? And even, even so, I mean, like, look, I think a lot of practices they're at a point where they do get acquired by these larger IDNs and everything. Well, you do, you also want your practice to be set up in a way where your valuation just like a venture backed company is put in the, at the highest level possible. And it's not just relying purely on like how much revenue is coming in, you know? Cause I think I know we talked about this earlier, which is like, you know, you can have great revenue, but your profitability and what you end up with net is what's most important.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. if you, if you end up having to sell based on how many patient lives you cover, or like you said, um, you know, you have exciting looking revenue. It just, it puts you in a position where you're, you don't have a lot of leverage. Um, our goal is, you know, working towards the type of exit that someone wants. And that exit might be 25 years away. That's cool. But if you, if you set that North Star, now you can start making the trek towards that outcome, you know, as soon as today, which puts you in a better position. And it's all about, you know, I'm really passionate about this stuff. And I love hearing the stories of people realizing that, that they don't have to live that way. And that's why we did the podcast. And the podcast, the Physician Growth Accelerator podcast, is all about little nuggets. I mean, the longest episode is 18 minutes. And it's, you know, listen to an episode and it's going to give you tips on decrease no-shows, like right away, or increase conversion to procedures. Or, hey, here's a bias breakdown, uh, doctor, of why when you communicate with a patient, they don't get it. Here's the specific heuristics and biases and how to overcome it. Here's how to have tough decisions or tough conversations in the office when you need to make a change. And the goal of the podcast is to really arm these practices. Cause it is my deep belief that private practice is important. And I don't like a world where all practices are gobbled up by hospital systems. Um, I know I may not be a patient to anybody today and I'm going to try to, you know, I'm doing my best to make it. So I'm, I'm not a patient for a very long time, but when I am a patient, I'm, I'm, I probably want someone who is more in a position to think freely and do what they believe is best. And they're not so influenced by the outside.
0: Yeah, no, I I completely agree. And I think that this is why, I mean, it feels like now, I don't know, from a macro trend, you see this happening with larger med tech companies. I think we'll see it to some extent with hospital systems where they can't you know, they can't manage all of these different practices and everything. So the idea that like a lot of physicians are, you know, employed by the hospital, but they, on the side, they might get together with their friends and open a, a freestanding clinic, right. Yep. Is really exciting. But seeing that, um, you know, that there's an option because, you know, before in the past, like well, even 10 years ago, five years ago, when my dad was practicing, um, these options weren't available and you kind of had to just do it by the seat of your pants. And, you know, if you're lucky enough to attend that one random seminar at like your society's conference that year and then learn some things. But it's nice to see that there's an a- actual place and group of people who are focusing on this. Um, and I was gonna say, it sounds like with your podcast, you guys are essentially, uh, I don't know how, how to say this, but essentially like giving away the playbooks for free. That way people can implement them. But, you know, I think what most people start to find out quickly is that a lot of times you need help with these things, right?
1: Yeah, there there's going to be people who they, maybe they're not in a spot where they really need outside help. And at one of the podcast episodes is gonna be life-changing to them. That's the purpose of the podcast. The podcast comes from a history of working with hundreds and hundreds of practices from the perspective of human behavior. Because I don't care how systematized or logical you think you are, human behavior touches everything. So if you have any kind of underperforming part of your practice, it's related to human behavior. If you understand human behavior and how to change it, it just, it gives you access to control. It's like it puts you in control, you're in the driver's seat. So there are some people, they're gonna listen to a single episode and go, holy moly, I know how to implement that tomorrow. They're going to, and we've already gotten calls from people who've listened to the podcast and they, just, they literally call and thank us. And they just go, I just wanna tell you, thank you. I can't believe you gave this information away for free. Um, awesome. Appreciate you putting it out there.
0: That's awesome. Uh, that's, that's awesome here. And I was gonna say for the, for, you know, as we wrap up for the, for the listeners who are, who are listening to this, uh, if you go, um, first go to the physician growth accelerator, uh, websites, that's physician growth, com, correct? Yep. So go there, you can find the podcast, but you can, you know, you, you can find the podcast already on Spotify and, and Apple, but I recommend is go ahead and just hit that subscribe button. That way you get notified of the new episodes. So with that, with that being said, Zed, uh, with that being said, Zed, that sounds pretty good, right? <laughs> Um, like Dr. Seuss, outside the website, where else can, uh, you know, clinicians find you? I know you're pretty active on LinkedIn, would would that be the best
1: place to follow you? Yeah, they can connect on LinkedIn, Uh, they can subscribe to the YouTube channel. Um, The when you if you're in a curiosity point, and you go to the website, and you click on vitals, you will see a breakdown of what these vitals mean to your practice. And then you can specifically take a diagnostic to point out, hey, Here's where you might have a problem. And I'm just I'm going to be real straightforward about those type of things. A lot of times on websites, the purpose of those is to get someone to submit their information. And here we're going to hide all the answers. We don't do that. When you click an answer, it's going to tell you this is either good or bad. Here's why. Here's what you probably are witnessing to confirm that this is truly an issue. And here's what to do about it. You don't have to submit your information to get that information back to you. We're just we're really trying to help private practices, build that moat around their business.
0: Got it. That makes sense. Yeah. And I'm looking at that right now on your website. Well, Zed, thank you so much for coming on the show. So I want to thank the audience for listening, especially if uh, you're a medical sales rep that's listening to this, take advantage of those episodes, go listen to them. That way you can start helping with your own practice. And I would say like maybe sit down with the office manager or the physician and have them walk through those vitals. Just go to physiciangrowthaccelerator.com. So with that being said, I'm your host, Omar Khatib, and we'll see you all next time. Thank you for enjoying another epic episode of The State of MedTech. If you're feeling inspired and love this episode, do us a favor. Hit that subscribe button and turn notifications on so you never miss an episode. And be sure to give us five stars and write a short review because that helps more people discover this amazing community of ours. If you're a company who has an executive that you'd like to be on the show or perhaps you want to sponsor one of the episodes, shoot us an email at hello at Take care. See you next time.